This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campuses join with us over in Appleton and Stevens Point. Let's recite together. The Apostles' Creed, this is our statement of faith. This is who we are, what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us this morning. And again, good morning to those over in Appleton and Stevens Point campuses. Good to have you with us. Trust you're having a good worship experience this morning. Before I get into the message this morning, I want to uh, remind you of what I talked about last week, and of course many of you weren't here last week, being Memorial Weekend, and this is a crazy time of year even to be talking about all this because our attendance flows like this because it's summer and people are doing their summer things and stuff, so the attendance kind of goes like this. But we talked about back in February when we had two or three weeks of just nasty, nasty weather. And, uh, you know, and of course, it would always come out on a Saturday night. Why Saturday? I don't know. Because then Sunday morning, everything shut down and hardly anybody was able to come to church for most of the month. Uh, as a result, our offerings hit a big hole. And uh, then we sent out an appeal and said, listen, we were really uh, hurting during this time. If you could uh, do something above and beyond to help us climb out of the hole, this would be a great blessing. And sure enough, a great response from the congregation. It totally filled the hole and uh, even had us ahead of where we were the year before. So we were all excited about that. <clears throat> the problem was the next month, the exact same size hole appeared. So talking to people, what in essence had happened is people had merely taken money from this hole and put it into this hole, but now there's this hole over here. We've had this problem before. You know, every once in a while, people will come up to me and ask me, Pastor, when, when there's a terrible thing like a hurricane or earthquake. How come we don't take special offerings to help those people? We used to. We would raise sometimes $10,000, $15,000, even $20,000 in a special offering. But then when we took the regular offering, we were down $10,000, $20,000. And one pastor said to me, what you need to do is you need to take your regular offering first and then the special offering. I said, nay, nay, my people have a very good memory. <laughs> because when I do that, then the next week, it's still down $10,000, $20,000. So there's a, when we ask you to do some special projects, we're asking for above and beyond what you normally give. We refer to you here tithes and offerings. You know what a tithe? Tithe is a percentage of your income that you're just faithful. You always give back to God. 
Offering is above and beyond that. So if we were to do something right now for special for missions or some tornado victim, something like that, and he said, man, I'm, I'm giving $100, but if that's the $100 you're planning to give in the offering, you just hurt here. Do you see what I'm saying? It doesn't help. Uh, so as a result, we're, we still can't do it. You know, we would love to do it until we start getting the discipline of learning. No, this is above and beyond and not just moving funds. So everybody was great and wonderful and helped move funds to fill the hole. But it's what we did. Most of us just moved funds and then the hole just popped up the month afterwards. So we need you to prayerfully consider going above and beyond. Okay, again, rough time of the year as we hit summer to ask people to do this, but we can do it. Say, so why would we do this? Because this is our church. It's your church. This is where... You know, you come and you worship God. Here's where hopefully some of your sons and daughters will get married. Someday, uh, some of us will be buried in this church. This is our church. This is our commitment. You're part of this. This is your family. And it's not like I can go like the government and print more money. That would be nice. Uh, well, I guess I could, but they'd arrest me and throw me in jail. So the only place we have to go is you. So this is what we're facing. And I need your help. We had a bit of a bump last week. But it was just a bump, and we need... Now, if you've already done more than you can do, then great. But clearly, not everybody has. So it's not to make you feel bad. Let me just challenge you. Be as generous as you can to help us climb out of that hole. And everybody said, amen. All right. Now, I told you last week I had a special announcement this week uh, that I'm kind of excited about, and I think that you'll enjoy it as well. Uh, when Pastor Bob uh, resigned back in January, of course, that left uh, uh, another hole. All right? And... You know, he was the executive pastor here, and we were kind of juggling, trying to figure out how we we're going to do this and, and, and work this way through. A lot of you will have noticed, some people even said, you know, why, why has Pastor Ed been around so much? Bishop Ed, you know, uh, because he's been coming in and helping us during this time. And last week, uh, he agreed to come on as acting executive pastor of Celebration Church. So we're glad to have <laughs> Bishop Ed. Does that mean he'll move here? No, no, it doesn't. I mean, he was, he said he'd like to. He loves Wisconsin people, but his wife would put him in a shallow grave. So, uh, <laughs> but he's a bishop. And what bishops, the difference between a pastor and a bishop, pastors are connected to a local congregation. I'm the pastor of this church. Bishops are over several churches, and Ed is over some six, seven, eight, nine churches, and I were another one of those. But he'll be coming uh, once a month and spending several days here and just constantly connecting and helping to make sure everything is being done right. And we'll see uh, how that goes. But it's, it'll be great to have his input. And you'll continue to hear more and more from him from the pulpit. He's not as pretty as I am, but he's pretty good. All right. So, uh, so we're excited about having Bishop Ed. This morning, I want to read you from Matthew, the 14th chapter. After Jesus had dismissed the people, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Well, later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already in a, con a considerable distance from land buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. He told his guys to just cross the lake. I'll catch up to you. He didn't tell them how he was going to catch up to them. They probably, you know. But they really got to the point they just didn't question him. <laughs> they didn't understand half the stuff he was saying. If that. Just go and I'll catch you. Okay. So they're going out. They're working. They're about halfway through the lake now because, you know, the wind's against them and it's kind of a rough night. And, uh, well, shortly before dawn, and you know what it looks like shortly before dawn? Close your eyes. That's what it looks like. It's completely black. So it's completely dark. And shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Now, when the disciples saw him, now you got to imagine, this is pitch black and just barely, and here comes, what, what in the world is that? Now, I don't know you, but I've still never seen anybody do anything like that. 
this would have to just freak the willies out of you. And all of a sudden, they look up, and they see him walking out. And when the disciples saw him, they were terrified. It's a ghost. Ah! Totally flipped out. But then Jesus immediately says to them, take courage. It's just me. Don't be afraid. And Peter said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. She said, come on down. <laughs> Peter jumps out of the boat, and he starts walking on the water. came towards Jesus. But when Peter looked around and he saw the wind, he's afraid. Well, yeah, what do you think? At some point, you're thinking, I shouldn't be able to do this. <laughs> this is a little unusual as he's walking. And he starts to freak out. And he starts to sink. And he cries out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand, caught him. You have little faith. Why did you doubt? Why did I doubt? <laughs> Seriously? And then it climbed into the boat. The wind died down. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This morning I want to talk to you about what it means to jump out of the boat. I was looking online this last week and I saw this clip by Steve Harvey, the guy who does Family Feud. And some of you have seen this clip, but it's a powerful clip. Uh, Harvey is a... a uh, born-again Christian, and he's talking to his audience after the show tape, and they, they recorded this, and they released this video. I want you to look at this. With. Pay attention, because this is really powerful stuff. There he's powerful. Every successful person in this world has jumped. I'm going to tell you what I mean by that. You eventually, you are going to have to jump. You cannot just exist in this life. You have got to try to live. If you are waking up thinking that there's got to be more to your life than it is, man, believe that it is. But to get to that life, you're going to have to jump. Now, I'll tell you why I call it jumping. See, God, when he created all of us, he gave every last one of us a gift at birth. He never created a soul without endowing them with a gift. You just gotta quit looking at gifts as run and jump and sing and dance. It's more than that. It's if you know how to network, if you can connect dots, if you draw, if you teach. Some of y'all fry chicken better than anybody else. Bake pie. Some of you cut hair, color hair. Some people do grass. I got a partner, man. We never wanted to go out with us because we stayed out too late. Come on, man, go out with now. I got to get up early, mom. Cutting Miss Johnson's grass. We kept laughing at this dude. Cutting grass. How much they pay you? He got a landscaping company in Cleveland worth $4 million. Because all he do is cut grass. But he was gifted at it. I got a partner on a detail shop. Make $800,000 a year. Detailing cars. He got six mobile trucks running around. $800,000 a year. All he do is detail cars. That's his gift, that's what he loved to do. You've got to identify that gift. Now listen to me. When you see people in life, when you're standing on the cliff of life and you see people soaring by, you hear about them doing wonderful things, maybe you look up the street and your neighbor just gets a car every year, every two years, you know, how is he doing that? Have you ever thought, maybe this person right here has identified their gift and is living in their gift. 
because your Bible says, this is your Bible, says your gift will make room for you. Your gift, not your education. You go get an education, that's nice. But if you don't use your gift, that education only gonna take you so far. I know a lot of people got degrees, man. Think they ain't even using it. It's your gift. But the only way for you to soar is you got to jump. You got to take that gift that's packed away on your back. You got to jump off that cliff and pull that cord. That gift opens up and provides the soar. If you don't ever use it, you're gonna just go to work. And if you getting up going to work on a job every day that you hate going to, that ain't living, man. You just existed. At one point in time, you ought to see what living's like. But the only way to see what living's like, you gotta jump. And here the problem. Let me just be real with you. When you first jump, let me tell you something. Your parachute will not open right away. You're gonna hit them rocks. You're gonna get some skin tore off on them cliffs. You're gonna get all your clothes tore off. You're gonna get some cuts on you. You're gonna be bleeding pretty bad. But eventually, eventually, the parachute has to open. That is a promise of God. That ain't a theory, that's a promise. His promises is true, because listen to me. You cannot name one single thing God has not gotten you through. Name it. And if he ain't got you through it, he currently pulling you through it right now. And the living proof of it is you sitting in here. If he hadn't got you through it, you wouldn't even be here. So if he ain't never not got you through it, why would he not let your parachute open? He, it has to open, man. You can play it safe and deal without the cuts and the tears. And you can stand on that cliff of life forever safe. But if you don't jump, I got another promise I can make you. Your parachute will never open. You'll never know. You'll never know what God really has for you. See, your God has a wonderful life for you. Once again, I'm gonna refer to your Bible. Now, you go down there, you memorize these scriptures, you don't apply them to yourself. Your Bible says that he comes to give you life and give you life more abundantly. If I were you, I would jump. Because that's the only way to get to that abundant life. You got to jump, man. You got to take a chance. Now, when I get through talking, there are those of you who have discussed this in the car. Well, I got bills. And I got, I got bills. I, whether you stay on the cliff or you jump, you're going to have bills. Well, if I quit my job, I'm going to ruin my credit. If you got a job, you're living check to check. Even if you got A1 credit, you can't buy nothing else no damn way. At one point in time, man, do yourself a favor. Go see what God really do. God hold you up, man. He ain't gonna let you fall. He ain't bring you this far and let you fall. Do yourself a favor, man. Before you leave this world, before you die, jump. Just jump one time. Just jump. Thank you very much. I like his hair. Now, on the count of Jesus walking on the water, many preachers, people look at the, the account and they focus on Peter doubting. 
The fact that he saw the winds and the waves and he started to slip and why we shouldn't. And I get that makes all nice sermons, but they're missing the main point. The main point is the boy jumped out of the boat. There are 12 disciples, 11 of them said, I ain't going out there. I ain't going out there. I'm playing it safe. But Peter walked on the water. Yeah, but he started to slip and Jesus pulled him back up. And guess what? They walked back. Amen. And they're walking on. He did what nobody had ever done. No man had ever done. Jesus, the son of God, this is just Peter. He's walking on the water because he took a risk. It is amazing. I've listened to this many times, that talk that Mr. Harvey put out. I'm, I'm just blown away every time I hear it. Because I have seen people all my life and all they do is play it safe all the time, every time. They don't do nothing. And mostly because of fear. And as a result, they never soar. They just never soar. Now, I love what he says. He says, don't, don't follow your dreams. Because a lot of people do stupid stuff following their dreams. All right? And trust me, there's a fine line between faith and stupid. I have been on both sides. And I thought, man, I wish I could do that. I wish I could sing like a rock star. Really? Because you suck. All right? So I follow my dream. No, no, these people who win, they say, oh, I just follow my dream. No, 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 they were following their gifts. What is your gift? What can you do? What are you really good at that nobody else can do? A lot of people resent their own gifts, whine and complain about what they got to do. They never live. They never take a risk. They never chance anything. And not only in life, but in their faith. For you to truly experience the Christian experience, you have got to get out of the boat. You've got to jump out and land on the water. So what happens if, it, if, if I hit the water and I, I go through? What? You just take a bath. You get wet. So what? You're not going to die? Fearful of everything. Now, what people choose to do is, is their own business. I get it. You know what? I see people at times go through hard things. And I don't feel bad for people who are going through difficult times. Some of y'all right now are going through really horrible times. The people I feel bad about are the people who are later in life and this now is the first time in their life they have ever had to really trust God for anything. Those are the people I feel bad for because they've always played it safe. They never stepped out. And some of them have been Christians since, since as soon as they could walk, man. Been in church, learned about God, surrendered their lives to Jesus, loved God with all their hearts. But they played it safe all the time, every time. Now they're 40 years old, 50 years old. Doctor tells them they got this and some disease or that disease, or the banker says everything you invested in is just totally washed out. Now you're broken. And now they're panicking. And again, I've seen all kinds of people at different times of life. I have been through all kinds of trials and troubles. But I'll tell you what, when I get into a situation where it's hard, it is familiar territory for me. It just is. I've done this before. I've done all kinds of versions. I don't have the time to tell you some of your stories. I've told you some of the stories. that hard times. But the thing is, I do it because I, and I have a faith because God was there for me for before. When I was 16 years old, first gave my life to Jesus. Had tough times and God would always show up. And was, so when I see somebody who has a hard time, I empathize with them. But man, when I find out this is the first time they've ever really had to trust Jesus, man, I feel bad for them because it's hard for them. It's, it's nigh impossible. King James word, nigh, means near. 
Near impossible to them. It's the first time they've had to do anything. They've never had to trust God for anything. Now I get the inclination is to always protect oneself. There's no interest like self-interest. It is a powerful interest. But if you don't learn to jump, take some risks, you will never grow. And God will never bless you. We were just talking about giving. You know, when it comes to giving, what does the Bible say about giving money? Look what Jesus said in Luke, the sixth chapter. He said, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. Everybody say, good measure. Everybody say, press down. Say, shaken together. Say, running over. That's impressive stuff. Good down, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, be poured into your lap if you will learn to give. And then he goes on and he says this, for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. That's the part we forget. What does that mean? When it comes to giving, you got to jump. Look at that last line. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. In other words, you decide on the size of the cup that God will use to bless your life. How can I not be more blessed? Because you decided to use a small cup. <laughs> it's just a reality. Oh, I don't like this preaching. I, probably not. When it comes to giving, when we're not going to get blessed, we want, we want a big spoonful of blessing. How many want a big spoonful of blessing? When it comes time to give, we think about this and go, no, no, man. I think maybe, maybe we can do this. Anything about a little bit, well, you know, really, I want to get something nice to eat after church. So I may well do this. I know, but, you know, I want to get that extra. You know, I, I tell you, well, we'll do this. We'll do this. So the offering comes by, and you do that. Okay. The thing about giving, it's up to you. It's a free choice. But then when it comes time for blessing, you know what God does? He does this. And you go, what was that? What was that? How, how come I didn't get blessed? Because this is the size that you picked. Somebody, a lot of, at this church, there's a lot of people in this church. If everybody learned this, well, I'd never have to talk about money. Most of us, we live here. And that's your experience in God. That's your experience of blessings. Just a little, <laughs> Pastor, you talk about faith. You talk about trusting God. You talk about experience and blessing. How come I don't? What? Well, that's what you picked. That's, are you hearing me? I'm not picking on you. I'm trying to challenge you. I want you to experience this. Amen. But when you, you decide, Jesus says, with the measure you use, that's what God's going to use to measure back to you. So it's a free country. You can pick whatever spoon you want. Some of you fill only half of this spoon. And you wonder how come when it comes to God changing things in your life, blessing your life, helping you succeed, do things turn around, all of a sudden you just... Man, I'll, I'd rather use this. And you know, there are those few blessed amongst us that have learned to use this. You see. Because we like these blessings. Woo! People say, man, how some people get this? And I tell you, I know who these people are in our church. Because they tend to be some of the biggest forgivers in our church. 
They're not the wealthiest people in our church either. I see those names. I know who y'all are. Some of these givers, they don't. I'm shocked sometimes. I read, I think, man, they don't make that much money. How are they so generous? But then you look at, you look at their lives and it's always, why? Because they decided, this is the spoon I want. <laughs> Hallelujah. I like, using, I like being blessed like this. But to get blessed like this, you got to learn to give like this. You know, and I have tried to live this out, I think, by and large, <laughs> to a frustrating degree. You guys over in Stevens Point, you remember when I first came there? Man, I was using this. I'd go out and do these marriage seminars and stuff. I'd come back. And, I, I, you know, Paul the Apostle at times, in an effort to defend himself, and even then he thought, I don't know why I'm doing this. He says, I'm speaking like a fool. You remember these verses? He goes, I'm speaking like a fool. But I did such and such. He wasn't trying to get credit. He's just trying to reason with these people. So I'm going into fool mode right now. Fool, F-O-O-L. Forgive me for being a fool. But I go out and I do these marriage seminars. I come back and I would give all of the money back to the church. All of it. Not 10%. See, that's what a tithe means. The tithe means 10%. We talk about tithe, and everybody says, well, I, I tithe, you know, a 1% or 2%. All right. Well, God bless you. But a tithe actually means 10%. That's, that's the biblical standard. God gives you a dollar, you bless him back with a dime. Easy to do when you only got a dollar. You got $1,000, you bless him back with 100. Easy to do when you get $1,000. Problems when you get $50,000 <laughs> or $100,000. You think at $100,000, people easily give $10,000? No. In fact, studies have shown the more people make, the smaller percent they give to the church. We're talking Christians, devout Christians. They adjust their, you know, I don't know. I wasn't giving 10%. I wasn't giving 50%. I gave it all. I gave every bit of it. And you guys will remember those days. See, I don't know this stuff. but They know. That's when my life started just changing dramatically. Dramatically. And all of a sudden, I walk around and all over me. I learned it. Be generous with this stuff. But you know what? When you're pouring out, people like that. When you get blessed again, they don't like it. Are y'all hearing me? When I first came here for the first 10 years and I got pastors who to this day tell me I was an idiot to do it. And they're probably right. For the first 10 years I was here, I gave back every penny the church gave me. Now stop thinking how much you and your wife make for a living right now. Just run that number here. Whatever, how many tens of thousands of dollars and times that by 10. That's a lot of money. I kissed it all away. Joyfully. I'm not complaining about it. I get my friend said I was an idiot. But, but you know what? I got a lot of this going on in my life. Praise God. But then people criticize this. You pastor, you, you got this, you got that. How come you got that? Because this is what I use. Are you hearing me? Man, I'm a big boy, I can handle it. You're a public person, all you do is get crap thrown at you all day long. I ain't complaining, <laughs> a little bit, but, <laughs> but I'm used to it. Pastor, you got a big fancy boat. Yes, I do, praise the Lord. Their boats, the boats like that cost three hundred to five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, they do, but not my boat. My boat. You should see the deal I got on that boat. Most of you driving SUVs here this morning to church. 
over, Steve was one over that one. Most of you spent more for your SUV than I did for my boat. How'd you do that? That's how I did that. Last year, I got a sexy little red Corvette convertible. People were saying I was having a midlife crisis. Remember this? I said, I hope it's a midlife crisis. That means I'm living to 120. <laughs> Praise God. I hope this is the mid. People get mad. How are you rich preacher? I, I guarantee you, virtually every single one of you that drove a car to just church this morning spent more for your car than I paid for that fancy little Corvette. Most of you spent two to three times. My snowmobiles cost more than that little car. And it's a hot, sexy little car. When you see it, you'll get mad. <laughs> I drove it to church this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, oh, how do you get that for so little? You see, it's called blessings. Blessings. Big old splashes. But you decide on the size of the blessing that will come to you. And I'll tell you what, sometimes you don't even have a choice. Sometimes God will just kick your bucket over. Run you through a trial. Run you through a tribulation. Make you go through hard times. But instead of just pouring out and trusting God, some of y'all get mad. Well, why God do that to me? Why do I have to go through this? And you're just, Man, you are not getting this. Sometimes he kicks over your bucket, pour it out. But you know what the good news? If you just let go and let God, he'll fill it back up. Whoops, there it goes. Nope. He'll fill it back up again. Man, I just went through this. 20 years. My wife, Debbie, struggled with cancer. And you saw us go through this. We were trusting God. We saw a miracle after miracle. We were sharing with us all the time. But it was hard. I didn't even have control of the bucket. So the bucket get kicked over. The last few years, it was horrible. Horrible watching some of you love so deeply, suffer so terribly. Eventually, I got, I got to hold her up because she couldn't even stand up. I had to wipe her bottom because she couldn't wipe it herself. Pull back her hair, she's puking her guts out from all those drugs. Feeding her with a spoon, her little mush cereal because she couldn't feed herself. Watching her just inches from my face looking at me as she took her final breath. What'd you do? Get, do you get mad at God? No, I didn't get mad at God. Sometimes the bucket, you know what? The Bible says weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Amen. And now my life is blessed again. Now people are mad at my blessings now. <laughs> How come you married that pretty young woman? You're asking the wrong question. You can ask her, what was she thinking? <laughs> and all the men said, amen, amen. You're mad at your blessings. So is that what you want? No, I didn't want any of that. Y'all crazy. Who'd sign up for that? If I could push a button to unwind all that, I'd push it. But we don't have that button. But you know, if you just trust God, Learn to just surrender. Learn to just jump into his arms, into his hands. He'll bless you. There are people mad at me because my life is blessed now after all the hell I went through. And I hear the rumors, oh, dear Jesus. Each one more evil than the last. 
Like they keep redoing different versions of the same horrible story. Good night. At the rate I'm going, they're going to do a Netflix special on my life. <laughs> right behind Ted Bundy and Jeffrey Dahmer. If you market it alphabetically, it'll be Bundy, Dahmer, and Gunger. <laughs> Dang, I'm right in front of Hitler. Because he's H. Oh, the horse, I like it. He said, you're freaking out. I just, I just roll with it. <laughs> it is what it is. Don't listen. Don't believe all that nonsense. Be just mad, bitter. They don't like it when you walk around blessed like this. But if you will learn to just, and look, you know, again, I'm a public person. I get it. It's what happens to us. I can pretty much guarantee most of you won't go through it. But even some of you will. You start getting blessed like this. People criticize you. They're mad at you. They don't know where you went to get where you are today. Oh, they don't care about that. The envy, greed, jealousy, being nasty and icky. Man, stop that stuff. Learn to be generous. You can be generous with your time. Give with your time. Some of y'all have no time for anything. Some of you preachers preach too long. I'm five minutes over right now. I don't care. I'm taking the time. Maybe I have more time next week. You missed that. You got no time for nothing. You can barely breathe all day long. All the time. And you can never volunteer. I can, I can never volunteer because I have no time. You know why you have no time? Because you never volunteer. My life's a wreck. I'm just running crazy. What do I do? How about just take some time? Volunteer. I can't do that. Yeah, you can. Oh, my life will get worse. See, that's what you don't understand. We all think it'll get worse. If we use a bigger spoon, that means we're just going to suffer more. But that's because we don't get it. We live in fear. We haven't learned to jump. Good preaching, Pastor Mark. That's fabulous preaching. I haven't even hit the halfway point of the sermon. Y'all got to come back next week. Hear the rest of it. All right, I'll shut up. Let's have our ushers come get ready to serve communion this morning at our various campuses. Thank you, Jesus. Be generous. Learn to be generous. Take some risks. Don't live in fear all the time. Protecting yourself. I got me and mine, and I'm just not going to give nothing else to nobody else. Not going to give them any more money than I have to. Not going to give any more time than I have to. Not any more energy than I have to. There's people in our church. Every once in a while, I get people complaining. He said, Pastor, your, your church isn't very friendly. I need some friends. I can't find any friends. Well, here's the thing. For you, the Bible says, for you to find friends, you got to be friendly. <laughs> it ain't our fault. It's your fault. How about be nice to people? Instead of sitting in a corner sulking because somebody ain't come to talk to you. Go talk to somebody. I'm afraid. You need a job. What if nobody wants to be around me? We'll just keep jumping. You might find somebody else jumping at the same time. Then you two can be friends. Don't always play it safe. Don't always get mad because things aren't the way you want them to be. Learn to jump. You ever see a little kid jump into his daddy's arms? <laughs> Come on, kid! And the kid goes, "Wee!" 
I was like, boy, if that kid only knew what could happen if he, daddy missed. But daddy doesn't miss, you see. Mama's yelling at him to quit doing that. <laughs> Bob, quit having to jump like that. You're scaring me. No. That's good. That's, that's a good thing. Next, what, two more weeks, got fathers. You got to come back on Father's Day. Got encouraging words for fathers. Fathers push more risk than mamas. They just do. You ever ask, watch mamas out on a playground pushing their kids? You ever see the dads out there? Wow! When mama say, stop it! Why? Because kid needs to learn. It's going to be okay. He can take some risks. What if he falls and scrapes himself up? Okay, so what? They're going to die. Always afraid of scrapes and bruises. I don't want to bleed. I don't want to be dis discomfort and stuff like that. Talk about risk. Talk about risk. Look what Jesus did. Talk about jumping. Man, if I were God, I'd have killed us all and started over again. Y'all be thankful I wasn't God. But he comes to this earth. He lets people beat him, crucify him. He doesn't fight back. The Bible says that any minute he could have called 10,000 angels. They would have come and fought for his freedom. They didn't say a word. Why? Because he sacrificed. He took a big jump. And now millions of people are coming to God because of the jump that Jesus did. He made it possible that our sins could be forgiven. Maybe you listen to me this morning and you've never, ever truly jumped into his arms. I'm going to pray a prayer together. And I want us all to bow our heads and pray this prayer. If you'll pray this prayer with me, you can take your first jump today into the arms of God and start to experience the forgiveness and the joy that we've been talking about today. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. And that you love me so much, you went to the cross and took my punishment. I ask you to come into my life and to forgive me of my sins. I now surrender myself to you. Amen.